is the DGD podcast. Go dogs. One Team Media. Welcome to the DGD Podcast, the Georgia Bulldogs podcast for dogs. From the gun again on first down, fires wide, Juan Daniels, touchdown Georgia. This is your favorite receiver, Juan Daniels, and you're listening to the DGD Podcast with my man, Robert Reynolds. Go dogs! Welcome back to the DGD Podcast. As always, this is Robert Reynolds, your host of the show. Hey, the NCDGD is back, guys. Uh, got Hank here from uh, Biscuits and SEC. Uh, great news, uh, great newsletter. Uh, love, love reading it. Uh, so we're doing SEC roundtable today. Uh, but first, before we start the show, look if you're if you follow social media for the show, you know we've been doing a great reveal here. Uh, so without further ado, uh, obviously, if you're watching, you will see the reveal here. Uh, as all, as everybody knows, I've made some changes with logos, uh, but I think this one right here is a uh, done deal for me. I think this is something that I can use and pretty concrete. So without, you know, obviously new logo is the reveal. Uh, you'll start to see that everywhere. Uh, and I think this will be the final uh, rendition of the logo change uh, for the DGD podcast. But first, let's get to the show here. Hank, welcome to the show. Yeah, Robert, thanks so much for having us. We're glad to be here. Um, we, we love the show, you know, being uh, sort of a, trying to cover the SEC as a whole. Your your show is extremely helpful, um, especially on the Georgia side of things. So we're excited. Yeah, I know if, if anybody hasn't know, if look, if you're if you're listening to the show, but you don't follow social media for the show, 
uh, over the weekend. Actually, uh, we uh, the DGD podcast became a part of 1C Media. Uh, obviously, Biscuits and SEC being a part of that as well. Uh, so it's always nice to have, you know, somebody from the fam to come on and uh, and sit there and, and, and kind of, you know, talk and welcome me into the family per se. Uh, as, you know, obviously as the show grows and uh, look, if, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't go to biscuitsandsec.com. Uh, well, obviously, we'll talk a little bit about that later, Hank. But uh, look, it's great, great newsletter for all things SEC, which we're going to do today. But first, as a Georgia podcast, we will start with Georgia. Look, everybody in the media is looking at this being the year for Georgia. For, straight out the box, is this the year of the dog? Um, yeah, I mean, not to sort of go with the consensus here, but I think most of the media is correct. I think it is the year of the dog. Um, I think they're going to beat Clemson out of the gate, which is obviously a huge game and can kind of set the tone for the rest of the season. Um, but even if things go poorly and they don't beat Clemson, I don't think it really has that big of an impact on their season because I think they should be able to run through the SEC East um, and get to Atlanta and play whoever comes out of the West. Uh, so assuming that's the case, you know, if you win the SEC or if you're in the SEC championship game, you're right where you want to be. You're in it at the end of the year. Um, so I think it is. I mean, they seems like have the quarterback situation figured out for the first time in a while. Uh, JT Daniels looks like the real deal. They've got a ton coming back around him. Um, especially at running back, which is typical of Georgia uh, with both, um, was it, I think, uh, was it Zamir White and James Cook, I think are both back. Um, we'll see what happens with Pickens with his injury. Hopefully he can come back um, and, and contribute. But, you know, even if he doesn't or if he's limited, I think Daniels will be able to find the open guy and, and Kirby's recruited so well. There's talent there. Um so, yeah, I, I really do think Georgia is in a great position this year. And it's kind of like, you know, if if not this year, then when, right? I mean, this is really setting up to be a big year for them. So I'm I'm all on board the, the Georgia hype train. I think they're going to have a really, really good year and, and should be right in it at the end. I lost audio. Is that better? Yep, there we go. Uh, You're back. Yay, yay, technical difficulties, guys. But no, so uh, as I was saying, uh, obviously without people hearing me, um, sorry for the the uh, silence there for a little bit. Uh, you know, but looking at that right there, I think it is as well. I think the cliche is overdone. Uh, in regards to, you know, from a Georgia fan base saying this is our year. Look, this, you know, but honestly, looking at this year, you look at what everybody else around you has lost. And really, it's it's prime it's prime time for Georgia. You know, there's there's really no excuses. You, you bring back what we have on offense, right? You mentioned it yourself. You bring back two running backs for their, uh, for their final year, Zeus and James Cook. Right? But then also you have to look at, you know, what, you know, what you bring in, in in regards to the passing offense, right? 
you know, the last four games of the season with JT Daniels, this offense completely changed. Uh, but you can see some struggles. And, and I think, you know, some factors played into that, obviously, with JT coming back from his injury, uh, not fully, you know, trusting, you know, his knee, things like that. Like, but, you know, you get a full offseason. Uh, you get more time to actually practice and instill the playbook. You get chemistry. Look, I've talked about this before. The trip that was documented about JT and company really going out to California and working on that uh, time off, you know, to me, sent to me, it sent a lot of, uh, you know, bells in my head going, this guy knows what it takes. I think he he's going to do everything he can to possibly put Georgia in the best situation to win. Uh, you know, and, and building chemistry is key, and that's what that's what I took away from that. Uh, you know, but you you look at the key return uh, returning players, like I said, Zeus, Cook, uh, and really on the defensive side of the ball, the biggest one of all, Jordan Davis. Uh, you know, you look at Devonte Wyatt. I think Javante is going to have a phenomenal year. Phenomenal. We know he's good, but I think he's going to even uh, outdo what we expect. Uh, you know, you look at that right there, but then you look at the East, right? Our schedule. Uh, isn't that strong. It seems, you know, Florida lost a lot. Uh, there's so many new head coaches in the SEC right now. Uh, you know, Bama's reloading. And, but my question about Bama is how are they going to re, basically redo that offensive line? Because they lost a lot of seniority on that offensive line. Not saying they can't because I think it's just Bama and they're going to be fine. But that's that's a that's a hard position uh, or a whole, really a hard group uh, to replace that leadership and chemistry. So, you know, there's a lot of factors here that factor into the this is our year, and I think Georgia has to capitalize on it. And so far from what I'm seeing, you know, even with George Pickett's injury, I think Georgia's taken all the right steps to do so. It's just a matter of when season starts September 4th in, in Charlotte, take care of business. Um, yeah. You know, I think, you know, looking at that right there, there's a lot of teams, you know, that are replacing, you know, quarterbacks as well. You know, you look around the scope of not only the SEC, but the NCAA, you know, Texas A&M, you know, you're an alumni. Yeah. You lose, you lose Kellen Mond. You know, uh, Bama obviously loses Mac Jones, Devontae uh, Smith, Jalen Waddle, which is huge. Uh, you know, so you look at C.J. Stroud coming in for uh, Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence is gone. Travis Etienne is gone. Uh, you know, all these, all these elite teams, except for uh, uh, Oklahoma with Spencer Rattler, are having to replace uh, quarterbacks that with, with a ton of experience. Uh, now, with very talented quarterbacks, nonetheless, but they still got to gain that experience. I think they'll be fine, but it's just it's just showing you the scope of the NCAA and what uh, Georgia's facing with having a returning quarterback and that's experience, uh, Heisman potential, what that means for Georgia in comparison to the NCAA. That's why I think the expectations from at least from the really from the national standpoint uh, is is through the roof for Georgia. It, it's it feels as if it's a, a do or die year. For Georgia. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Like you said, even looking at the broad picture outside of the SEC, Georgia has one of the best quarterbacks returning. Um, and it's, you know, it's important to note, too, that Daniels, uh, even though he only played, I think, you know, I think you said four games in, in the back half of last year with Georgia, uh, he played a good amount uh, early on in his career at USC before getting injured and ultimately, you know, basically losing his job to injury and transferring. So uh, not only does he get another year in Georgia's system, but he also has a lot of experience from, you know, several years ago. Um, and like you said, you can't, you can't speed up the experience process, right? So he's got a leg up on a lot of uh, other quarterbacks and teams just because, 
he's been in big game situations before um, and sort of knows what the deal is. Whereas a lot of these other teams, like you said, that are ranked really, really high, um, they don't have that experience at quarterback. So, you know, maybe someone comes out of nowhere and, and has a great season. That's certainly possible. But as far as known commodities, JT is, is one of the best. Absolutely. A lot of people, you know, maybe I, I don't want to basically prioritize this, but looking at looking at what he did at USC, right? You take what you take this his freshman year. To me, it was unbelievable the success that he had with that program, considering the circumstances. A lot of people don't realize he went through three offensive coordinators that year. Um, you know, but that just is a testament to his character. It's a testament to his knowledge and football IQ. Uh, but also you, you kind of see, you know, you saw last four games, you saw when he was at USC as freshman year, he's got the talent to, to get it done. You know, he's, he's played in big games. USC, I think he was one of the, one of the only true freshman guys to come in there. He was basically starting as a freshman when he should be a senior in high school. That is a testament to his knowledge. Like I said, going back there, that's a testament to his knowledge and just football IQ and really being a baller, if you want to call it that way. So, you know, for, for Georgia fans understanding where he is with Georgia right now, look, if you followed him back to when he was at modern day and you followed him back when he was at USC before, prior to his ACL injury, you kind of knew it was coming. But now that Georgia has the pieces around him, uh, that's really, really mind blowing. You know, even from a Georgia fan, I didn't expect this kind of talent and depth uh, around the offense for him. Uh, you know, with the question being, can you know, can you protect them on the offensive line, which I think will. But there's so much talent. There's a plethora of riches in the running back position, at the receivers, tight ends. There's really no excuse. And I think, like I said, looking at the offseason and still in the playbook, look, he's very smart. He'll, he got the – I guarantee you he's got the playbook done already. But it's a matter of getting the chemistry. That's something that takes practice and it takes reps. So this offseason is vital. Uh, for Georgia, I mean, really for the NCAA, you know, you look at Haynes King at Texas A&M is just a perfect example. You know, this offseason is crucial for him. It's crucial for everybody because you didn't have this last year. So, like I said, JT is taking full advantage of this. The receivers are taking full advantage of it. Everybody's ready to go. And, and like I said, the expectations for Georgia, JT knows it. He he listens to the media. He knows. So he's going to do his damnedest to be ready. And, and I think he will have Georgia ready to go. Uh, but look, Clemson, September 4th, I don't care who you are, that's a tough game. Uh, you know, even, you know, you can say, you you know, that Clemson lost your Travis Etienne, which in my opinion was the best player on that team, even with Trevor Lawrence there, uh, most important player. Uh, you lose, obviously, Trevor Lawrence. DJ Ulongale is still a monster. You know, he, he did get some experience against Notre Dame uh, in a couple starts last season with uh, Trevor being out for COVID. Uh, so he has some – he has some – I know he has a noticeable start, right? Uh, but nonetheless, George is a different piece. It, I, I don't want to be an SEC homer, but look, SEC, SEC is different than Notre Dame. Not saying that Notre Dame's not good, but when you have an elite SEC program like a Georgia or Alabama, it's just a different type of – it's just a different piece, really. Um, so, you know, you look at Justin Ross, you look at that, you know, that squad up there uh, at, for Clemson, it's going to be a damn dog fight. There's no question about it. And I'm sure every single TV of every college football fan is going to be on that game come 7:30 on September 4th. Yeah. Yeah. It, it will be a dog fight. Um, like I had mentioned earlier, I think Georgia will win that game. Um, that's just 
a hunch, but it, it could go either way. Like you said, it'll be a dogfight. I expect it to be very close until late in the game. Um, but, you know, like I said before, even if Georgia or in Clemson's case, whoever loses that game with it being a week one and out of conference to another elite program, uh, it's not a situation where the season goes down the tubes after that. Both teams win or lose will be fine. Um, as long as they handle their business in the conference to get back into the playoff conversation. Um, and, you know, I, I think both teams will still control their own destiny right after that game. Um, so, you know, I, I think Georgia will win, even if they don't, it very easily could still be, you know, the year of the dogs. And maybe that's could end up helping them in the end, right? If you lose a game early and that basically puts a chip on your shoulder the rest of the year to, to get back to the top. Um, we've seen that plenty of times in, in years past. So um, I think they'll beat Clemson, but even if they don't, you know, don't sleep on, on Georgia, if they lose week one, they'll, they'll be fine and they should win the East and be in a position to win the sec. Fair enough. Now, moving on from Georgia, we, we have to talk about our rival in Knoxville, the balls, uh, you know, since you cover around the SEC, look, everybody's familiar by, by now uh, with the with the same or with the investigation that Tennessee did. Uh, you know, obviously the McDonald's bags of money, things like that. If, if you're if you don't know, I highly suggest you get out from under your rock and, and go do your research here. So have you heard any updates in regarding the, you know, the investigation? Look, and I'm going to before I do this, I'm going to shout this out here. The NCAA is the most incompetent bunch of individuals forming a, uh, I guess you could say, a governing body within an organization you could imagine. Uh, you know, this isn't even SEC related, but the Baylor situation from yesterday just proved my point how incompetent this group of people are trying to govern these rules. Uh, it, it's really laughable, the findings and, and, and the result there. Uh, it's It's not... I don't look at it in a sense of, you know, for the victims of these, you know, for these allegations, I, I think it definitely didn't do them justice at all. Uh, you know, but it shows you that the SC, the NCAA, in my opinion, is about to be done for, uh, for good. And I think you're going to look at it, you know, it's just kind of a doggy dog world in regards to these conferences. Uh, you know, but let's go back to UT. Have you heard anything uh, regarding the UT investigation, if there's possible sanctions? I know, you know, I think everybody's still waiting, but are, have you heard any updates to that yet or no? I, I haven't at the moment. Um, and to go off what you said, I think, you know, really the reason we haven't heard much is because the NCAA is so inept. They, it seems like these scandals, whenever they come out, uh, it's a big news story. Everyone's, you know, oh, well, we can't believe they were paying recruits or, you know, like North Carolina, they're all cheating or whatever. Um, you know, there's been plenty of instances of big scandals, news stories, and then the NCAA comes in to investigate and it takes years to get done. And when they release their findings or sanction, not all that much happens. Um, I think this case could be a bit different because they are talking about recruiting violations, which historically the NCAA has been a little more harsh on. Um, like you said with Baylor, I mean, that was just a complete, a complete laughing stock. It took them five years to come up with basically no penalties. And they told the you know university that 
they didn't have jurisdiction over the the events that happened, which, you know, is fine if you don't have jurisdiction. But why does it take you five years to come up with that? Um, so yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It really is. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent there. Yeah. So I think in Tennessee's case, especially with it being recruiting, there will be some sanctions, but I, I really don't know. The timeline is just hard to say. Um, Especially with the NCAA. Yeah. So I, I would expect something to come down. Um, and and that's, you know, that's kind of the biggest problem is, in my opinion, is the timeline, right? If assuming the allegations are true, if Tennessee was, you know, paying recruits and cheating, regardless of, you know, whether you want to get into a, bait, a debate about every program doing that, which they probably do. Either way, Tennessee got caught. It's against the rules. Yep. Uh, it's fine to punish them. But get it done because right now, you know, Josh Heupel's coming in there and he's he's got a program to run and he's trying to turn a program around. But until the NCAA rules on this, he's just got this black cloud hanging over his head. And every and, college is going to recruit against it. They're going yeah, to use it you, for recruiting. Yep. Exactly. You can't tell a kid, hey, hey, come play at Tennessee if in his freshman or sophomore year, the NCAA might come down and ban him from the postseason. Well, you know, that's not fair to him. So, like I said, I, I think uh, I haven't heard any updates on it. I, I wouldn't expect to hear an update for a while, given the NCAA's track record. Um, I just wish they would get it done. And if Tennessee needs to be punished, punish them, move on. Don't drag it out over a couple of years and hurt uh, hurt the players that had nothing to do with it. Right. Because if Absolutely. the longer it goes on, the more new faces are on campus. Josh Heupel didn't have anything to do with it, but he's the one who's going to get pushed. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm with you. I think the NCAA is completely useless and on its way to being disbanded or football maybe separating. You know, that's a longer debate for another day. But on the Tennessee case, um, haven't heard anything concrete, and I wouldn't expect to for, for a while. Yeah, I, you know, I'm with you right here. You know, you kind of, you know, if, if you're a program, right, I think you want to hear results sooner because you can work, you know, you can take it and run with what happens. The just looking at it, though, it, the longer it sits, you know, back when UNC was going through that academic stuff, you know, it was getting used against them. You, you heard a lot of people really like, especially in the Chapel Hill area, really against this, what is taking so long. You know, and obviously, you know, like I said, the entire time you're going to see people recruit against that. Like, look, you can go there, but are you sure you really want to? You don't right. even know what's about to happen. Like, you probably won't even get to play in a playoff game. You know, even with the playoff expanded twelve, like, you probably will have bowl bans, like, you know, things like that. So it's always nice to see these things get over and just get it done with. You know, especially with the NCAA. They'll, look, they'll, you know, you sit there and sleep on a couch, your ass is grass, but. You know, you go and sexual assault somebody and uh, what's going on, guys? I don't know what's going on. Right. <laughs> so it, it, that's why I just look at the NCAA. It's just so it's so inept, like you said, that I think you could sit here and beat that, you know, dead horse until it actually wakes back up. But, you know, just kind of moving on here, though, I, w- I want to transition a little bit here. I'm seeing in our comments uh, in regards to NIL. And the comment for those who are watching can say that uh, can see this. Uh, you know, Jay Shipe says that Miami and Texas will profit most from NIL in his opinion. And to that, I kind of say that I somewhat agree here. 
Um, you know, just from a marketing standpoint, right? You look at Miami, uh, you look at Texas with the with the brand that they have, the the boosters that they have. You know, there's a good chance that you could see those two come back to relevance relatively quickly. Uh, you know, using NIL as a you know kind of a, a selling point from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, however, uh, Jay, to your point here, I look at it this way: on-field production to especially the elite kids is going to matter. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because NIL is only temporarily. It's an only it's only a temporary thing. However, the elite kids know that they're going to the NFL, so they want to be developed by the best of the best. Uh, you know, so I, I think you look at the elite ta- uh, elite schools like your Bama's, you know, your your Georgia's, uh, you know, those schools right there, your Ohio State's, they're going to be just fine. Uh, you know, but definitely, I do think that you're going to see Miami, uh, you know, Miami and uh, Texas and really maybe even USC, uh, you know, come back to prevalence, uh, you know, predominance and have, you know, the elite schools that we're used to, you know, growing up and everything like that with your Reggie Bushes, your Matt Leinerts, maybe not saying it will, but maybe uh, get back to those glory days. Uh, but what, you know, what are your thoughts, Hank, on, uh, you know, the NIL, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Do you like it? Uh, and what is its impact? What do you think the impact will be uh, moving forward? Uh, yeah, I like it. Um, I think it makes sense for a player to be able to profit off of his own success, essentially. Um, it's it's a great unknown right now, though, in terms of the impact. Um, and sort of going back to you know what we were talking about with the NCAA, they haven't really given much guidance either. So it's kind of the Wild West out there right now. It seems like uh, no one really knows – the right protocol and no one really knows what the final, you know, impact will be. Um, to your point about, you know, bigger schools or, or bigger brands um, getting the most out of it. I think that's spot on. I think um, NIL as much as, you know, conference realignment and a lot of other things that are going on is going to just separate even more the haves from the have nots, right? If you, uh, have a history of being successful or have been successful recently, um, you're going to do well because you have a brand. People watch your games. They know your players. Um, schools, you know, I'm trying to think uh, that, you know, will be hurt by this are just the the smaller schools, either in power five conferences or really the group of five a lot as well. Um, Cause I don't, I don't know how much money is going to be going to those players at those schools. Um, so you know, again, time time will tell the the full impact. I think it's a good thing that that players can make a little bit of money. Um, and I definitely think, you know, yeah, bigger schools, Texas, Miami, USC, they should have a leg up um, in you know marketing their players. Whether they are able to capitalize remains to be seen. Um, but I also think, you know, to your point about schools like Alabama or Georgia that aren't necessarily in bigger cities or um, things like that, those those programs will be fine, too, again, because they're they're winning. You know, as long as you're oh, winning yeah. and you have boosters and support, there will be ways to get these kids money that matches what uh, Miami or Texas can offer. Um, so. I think it's, you know, I think it's a good thing for the players. Is it a good thing for maybe the health of the sport overall? Maybe not. 
Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's done and people should have the right to, to make money off of their hard work. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see because we're hearing a lot of numbers about, you know, Bryce Young's made almost a million dollars, but no one's really seen proof of that that I'm aware of. Yep. Um, These disclosure so, agreements are going to show that, huh? Yeah. So, you know, there, there's a lot of rumors going around, but I don't think really anyone knows what all's happening um, for sure. So I think it'll take a couple years to sort of iron out exactly who's, you know, taking advantage of it, who's making the most out of their, you know, sort of marketing department. Cause I'm sure all these schools are setting up a ton, you know, of people on the back end to help out with this. Yep. Um, so it's just like anything else in college football, the schools that figure it out and do it well, will, you know, capitalize and get the best players and the schools that, uh, you know, struggle to market their players. Well, will not get as many, you know, uh, blue chip recruits. I agree with you. Look, I want to kind of transition from that to um, talking about your alma mater here. Uh, obviously, last year, y'all finished fifth just outside the top four. Look, that's the same situation that Georgia's faced on a couple of occasions. So we know how that feels like. Uh, obviously, you took care of business in the bowl game against North Carolina. Uh, in my opinion, I thought that was a really good bowl game. Um, but what you're moving into this year, right? You you lose Kellen Mond, uh, you know, but you do bring back a couple guys that I think I'm excited to see for sure. Uh, you know, DeMarvin Leal, Isaiah Spiller, uh, and really uh, Weidermeyer, uh, really one of the best tight ends in the country. Uh, but I think now, you may I may be wrong here, but this is from an outsider standpoint. I think your season depends on the X factor, which is Haynes King. I believe he's not even set as a starter yet. Maybe wrong here. Uh, but I think he is, I think he will be the starter. And I think your season depends on the development and progression of Haynes King. But since you're a Texas A&M alum, what are your thoughts on the season for A&M? Um, yeah, you, you pretty much nailed it. I think overall talent wise returning A&M, um, this is on paper should be one of the best teams we've had in, in a while. Um, you know, we have a ton of starters returning, especially on defense. I think we have nine, um, from, I think yardage wise, what was the best defense in the sec. So we should be very, very strong on defense. That includes a couple of super seniors who, yep. you know, would have normally graduated and moved on, but decided to come back. Um, so a ton of experience on the defense, I think. DeMarvin Leal has the potential to be a high first round pick. Um, so he should, he should really be a pain in uh, every, you know, every opponent's uh, offensive backfield all season. Um, and, you know, like you said, on offense, we've got uh, Isaiah Spiller coming back, Jalen Weidemeyer uh, and, you know, our receiving core last year production wise was not that strong. We didn't have a ton of big plays. Jimbo's offense, I think in a lot of ways was designed around the run game, the tight end pass and sort of short to intermediate throws. Um, I'm hoping they open it up a little more this year. I think it remains to be seen who from that wide receiver group can step up, but similar to other positions, everyone's coming back. So they have a ton of experience uh all the guys that played last year are coming back caleb chapman who 
uh, had a big game against Florida, but then tore his ACL. He'll be back. So there's a ton of bodies on the outside. It's just a matter of if they can step up and then a matter of who's throwing them the ball. So like you said, uh, Haynes King is probably the odds on favorite to win the job. He uh, has not been named the starter. There's another kid actually out of Georgia, Zach Calzada, um, yeah. who is competing for the job. I, I think Haynes will win it. He's a bit more mobile. Um, so he just adds that X factor that that uh, Calzada doesn't quite have. Um, and with the offensive line, we did lose four out of five starters. So being mobile, especially early in the year, will probably be very helpful as the offensive line gels. Um, so I, I think Haynes will win it. And and then, you know, exactly what you said, it, it sort of hinges on Haynes or whoever starts uh, what they can do because the talent is there around them. Um, so it's just a matter of not turning the ball over, being consistent. Um, and I think, you know, Kellen was an extremely steady force for AM, especially last year. He was very consistent, um, didn't turn the ball over much, but he was also someone you knew what you were getting. He had a, a pretty clear ceiling. Um, and what's exciting, you know, as an AM fan is we don't really know what Haynes King's ceiling is. So I'm not necessarily expecting him to come in and light the world on fire because it's a tough league and he hasn't played before, but it's also exciting to know that maybe, you know, maybe he can come in and take the quarterback play to another level. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot to be excited about, but it is, it's always nerve wracking breaking in a new quarterback in the sec. Oh, there's most, no line. Most, definitely. Probably the, probably the most nerve wracking in all of college football in that conference all alone. So, you know, looking at Haynes, though, I think, you know, like you said, Kellen, in my opinion, was very consistent. Uh, he was that he was a true game manager with enough athleticism to make the plays to win games. Uh, so it's not like a true game manager like you would see like maybe like Alabama in the past, in my opinion. Uh, right. He could do more than that. Definitely uh, athletic enough to make runs and things like that. He can do more than game manage. But he wasn't one of those guys that had you know elite arm strength, even though he could throw the ball down the field. He he didn't have nothing that truly stood out like holy shit. Uh, yeah. You know, you look at Haynes King, though, and like you said you bring that athleticism, you know, to me, looking at it right here, I'm not going to I'm going to do a weird name drop here that I don't think he hits this level. But it's definitely interesting to see what kind of player he becomes. You know, you have Kellen, which was kind of that, in my opinion, was a little vanilla, but he was consistent and he won y'all games. Right. What kind of athleticism, you know, is it it's not probably the same. But do you think you could see a little glimpse of maybe uh, Money Manziel? Uh, with Haynes King, uh, not saying that, like I said, don't take me here that I'm comparing the two. I'm just curious to see if you see that kind of athleticism. Uh, and really, you look at Manziel with the with the game, you know, he just made plays. Uh, it was just insane to watch, you know, but that was pure athleticism and, you know, talent, too. Uh, and it made A&M a true threat to anybody. Right. So, you know, you look at that right there, the potential could be there. But like you said, it, it's so it's so anxiety just drives your anxiety right because you yeah. don't know what you're getting yet and it's just so interesting here uh but we're going to go to a comment here uh our friend in the comment section uh jay here asked what our thoughts are about uh new ad at mizzou 
Uh, if you're not familiar with that right there, uh, we, you know, Mizzou did uh, get uh, Desiree Reed Francois, I think from Vegas, if I'm not mistaken, uh, tabbed them or tapped her as the new athletics director. Uh, you know, and is it motivation for that to get uh, second in the SEC East? You know, looking at it right here, I've made my prediction here. I think that in the East, Kentucky is your surprise pick for second. I think Kentucky finishes second with that solid, solid defense. A lot of people sleep on, but really with the, you know, with the quarterback competition, I think they open up the pass game enough to become a, a threat, keep drives alive. Uh, you know, it might be ugly wins, but I think they can do it. Uh, so I have them picking uh, Kentucky a second, but Missouri, I think will finish third. I know everybody's wondering where Florida is, but it's, I have them at fourth. They just lost a ton of talent. And I think they take a big step back. But, you know, looking at Mizzou right here, Mizzou with Connor Basilak uh, and Eli as the second-year coach, I, I think that program is on the rise. So, you know, you look early in the season uh, when Kentucky and Missouri play, I think that might be the game that decides second place in the East, at least in my opinion. You know, what are your thoughts on, you know, Mizzou? Uh, obviously, they bring in the new athletic director. Uh, but it seems like Como's got a lot of energy right now uh, to, to make some noise uh, with the depleted East. What are your thoughts on Mizzou? Yeah, I think uh, if you're a Mizzou fan, there's a lot to be excited for. Like you said, um, you got Connor Basilak coming back, who showed a lot in his first year. Again, uh, I, I don't think it can be understated, you know, the impact of COVID last year on these younger players. So he's, he's now he's finally got a full spring practice under his belt. He's got a whole year in the system. So I think a lot of players that, you know, maybe showed flashes last year will really come into their own this year just because they've had that offseason normal workout regimen and they're able to, you know, practice normally, study film normally. And just it, it's a much more simple situation than it was. Um, so I think there's a lot to be excited for there, um, you know, just around his progress from year one to year two. Um, and then, like you said, with uh, Coach Drinkwitz, I mean, I was a little bit skeptical when they had first hired him just because he didn't have a ton of head coaching experience. I think he was uh, successful at Appalachian State, but only was there a year, maybe two. Um, but again, based on what we saw last year where the situation was tough, he's a brand new coach, COVID hits, no spring ball. And they came out and competed for the most part last year. Um, a little inconsistent at times, but competed, right? So give him another year. Let him go through spring practice. Let everybody get more comfortable with the culture, the system he's trying to implement. Um, and I absolutely, you know, could see them finishing second or third in the East um, if everything comes together just because it, it, it kind of is wide open behind Georgia. So there's no reason to think that Mizzou with a very solid quarterback can't be right there in the running. I agree. Looking at not, it's, it might be weird to say this, but you know, obviously after Georgia, there is a significant drop off in my opinion, but when you talk about it being wide open to me, that makes it entertaining. Even if the product of the teams aren't the greatest or what they could be, it still makes it entertaining football, which it's going to be fun to watch the SEC this year. Anyway, uh, one of my main things, look, you're going to have, true crowd noise, potentially at 100%, right? Let's let's hope that COVID doesn't kind of push this back here. Uh, you know, we've made progress to try to get 100%. Let's, let's, let's just make it happen. 
and do it the right way. But nonetheless, looking at the situation here, we're going to do a quick rapid fire here. I think we're going to do a few questions. Rapid fire. I want to get your thoughts. Uh, I'll give my thoughts here. Uh, and obviously, people in the chat, you know, feel free to to comment your thoughts on these questions. Uh, like I said, it's going to be rapid fire. But I think there's some good questions here, and I want to pick your brain here. Uh, so the first question that I have, the SEC upset game of the year, what is it? Well, I'll probably get a lot of chip for saying this as an Aggie alum, but I do think October 9th, um, Alabama travels to AM. I think AM will win that game. I'm not Ooh. saying AM is going to win the West, but I do think they'll win that game. Yeah, looking at it though, I, I know uh, Jimbo had said some strong words uh, in the preseason uh, talking about, uh, I forgot it was exact words, but uh, I'm trying to paraphrase here, talking about beating his ass. You know, I don't know if exact, but I remember hearing about it and I was like, oh my goodness. Like that just, to me, that made. A&M, Texas, uh, A&M and Alabama, just the big game watch uh, to watch, I should say, the big game to watch that week. Uh, you know, so I think my SEC upset of the year is Kentucky over Florida. Um, you know, you look at you look at Florida, right? Like we said, they lost a ton of talent, right? They lose a ton of talent and you have De'Aaron King or not De'Aaron King, but uh, Emory Jones there. Uh, and, and there's real question marks there because how is he going to handle you know, trying to regroup what they lost offensively. So I think, you know, you look at Florida and you lose against Bama, you lose against Georgia. I think LSU beats them because LSU is going to have a uh, a way better year than last year. I think they're on, they're going to do way better this year. Uh, and a lot of people are not thinking that. I think people are still sleeping on LSU, which I, I'm sorry, but you're not doing yourself a favor there. Uh, you know, but I think Florida either loses to Missouri or Kentucky. Both teams are really good, Kentucky and Missouri. Uh, and yeah, I, I look at Kentucky beating uh, Florida. And the reason being is with Emory Jones there, even as even athletically gifted he's, as he is, that defensive front uh, for Kentucky are Maulers. Uh, and they will get after the quarterback. But people don't remember this fact that, you know, uh, Kentucky led the league in uh, regards to SEC. They led the SEC in takeaways last year, uh, interceptions specifically. But they – look, they – they took the ball away from teams on a consistent basis last year, and that's under and that's really going overlooked right now. So when I look at that, Emory Jones could have some fits there, uh, especially with the offensive line in Florida not being as 100% as solid as it should be. So I think that there's a good chance that the Florida or the, the Kentucky defense gives Emory Jones the fits that he shouldn't uh, be wanting to see by any means. And I think it causes that game to be closer than it should be. And ultimately, Kentucky winning, even if it, like I said, even if it's an ugly game, I think Kentucky can pull that out. So that is my upset of the year. Um, but moving on to the next question, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, the one or two, maybe the one game uh, that you're most excited for uh, in the SEC this year. Is it is it still A&M Bama for you or is it a different game? Um yeah, I think, you know, as a homer, it's uh, it's A&M Bama. Um, as I look at the SEC as a whole, I think, uh, you know, there's two that come to mind. First is LSU Alabama, because like you said, I think LSU will be a lot better this year. Um, and that's a heated rivalry. 
the Tigers will be coming for blood. Um, and I'm just interested to see, you know, how Alabama is all season. I, you know, I, I think they're going to be very good. Obviously it's Saban, but they did lose a ton and we don't have to go back over all of it. But um, I think there, there'll be a lot more times this year as opposed to last year where the games are close, you know, last year, Alabama destroyed everybody this year. I think there'll be a lot closer games. So I'm interested to see how LSU has progressed and can they compete with Bama? Are they there yet um, or not? And then I think the Georgia Florida game as well, because it's a big rivalry game and Florida got the best of them last year. You know, Kirby and the dogs aren't happy about that um, and they have the better team. So I'm excited to see just what Georgia can do, because I think, Florida should be overmatched in that game. Um, but, you know, Dan Mullen has a way of figuring things out on offense. While I don't have a ton of faith in Emory Jones, um, you know, Mullen's track record is is pretty solid. So whether it's a lot of QB runs and it's more of, you know, like a Nick Fitzgerald style offense that he ran at Mississippi State, I don't know. Um, but I could see – Mullen and, and the Gators being just frisky and pesky in that game um, and, and keeping it close. I'm going to throw out a, a game that probably nobody's even thinking about right now. Uh, and how how this game comes this year, it's going to be interesting for me to see. But my game that I'm curious to see is Bama Ole Miss. And the reason why I say that is because if you're not familiar with that game last year, I suggest you go watch it because Ole Miss – through the kitchen, or I would say they threw everything at them and put up so many yards of offense on on the Bama defense. And, and I think that's a testament to uh, to Lane Kiffin understanding his offensive mindset over you know Nick Saban. Not saying that he got the best of him by any means, but he definitely caught everybody in the nation off guard by throwing that much out there. Uh, you know, obviously they bring back you know Ole Miss brings back um, uh, Matt Corral. Uh, John Rice Plumley is an X factor there. That's a multi uh, tool there. Uh, you know, they do lose Elijah Moore. Uh, however, it doesn't really matter in my opinion, you know, who you, who you take out because Ole Miss's offense is going to be potent uh, period. Uh, I just think they got to get better defensively. And I think they do, which is why I w- I'm curious to see what happens with Bama and Ole Miss. I, I may be wrong here and the game may be, you know, one of those ugly games that get out of hand, but I do think the intrigue from last year is why this game is going to be one of my most important games to watch from an SEC standpoint. Uh, and, and the last question here, what is your biggest, uh, like basically your biggest surprise team and your biggest disappointment team in the SEC this year? So I think, um, I think, you know, maybe this is a cop-out um, and, and we've already talked about them, but as far as, uh, a surprise team, I guess, I guess it would be LSU. Um, maybe that's not that big of a surprise, more of a rebound, but as you said, I think they will be a lot better this year. Um, so, you know, in the West, I think that's my, I guess, surprise team. Um, in the East, I liked your, your Kentucky pick. I think, uh, Mark Stoops is doing a great job. Their defense should be good. Their offensive line should be good. Um, They've got a transfer quarterback, I think, by the name of Will Levis, who came from Penn State. So if he shows anything, then Kentucky should be pretty good. Um, 
And then, you know, I guess disappointing team. Again, this might not be a total disappointment because they're breaking in a new coach, but I think Auburn's going to struggle. Um, I think the West this year with Alabama, LSU, A&M, um, and Ole Miss are kind of head and shoulders above the rest. Um, Arkansas is not a pushover. Mississippi State is not a pushover. So when I look at Auburn's schedule, especially with that crossover game against Georgia, a lot of those games are either most likely losses or kind of toss-ups. And I don't have a lot of faith in Bo Nix that he's all of a sudden going to reach his potential, um, especially with another coordinator. I think this is his third coordinator in uh, three years. So I think it's going to be a tough year on the Plains for Auburn. Um, I just, I, I just don't see a ton of wins in that schedule for them, especially with a new coach and a new system. Um, so I, I think they're in for a long year, not saying that Harson was a bad hire or that, you know, they're going to be in the dumps for several years, but I think this year, especially it's going to be hard. You know, looking at it right here, I, I like your picks there. Uh, like I said, obviously going back to the Kentucky pick, the Auburn pick I'm curious about because, you know, there's so much intrigue there with, you know, TJ Finley transferring over and creating this, you know, maybe not even a true quarterback controversy. Uh, you know, looking at Bo Nix right there, you know, with Gus Miles on there, it, it really was interesting to see him because it was like, oh, read one check and then run with your feet to make plays. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious with Bobo there, right, as the offensive coordinator, how Nix kind of transitions through the offense, how Bobo is uh, doing that. I think you see Bo Nix, you know, develop as a better pure passer with Bobo there. I'm just obviously curious what Harson brings, how he's going to translate uh, to the SEC. Uh, but for my sleeper pick, I'm going to say Arkansas. A lot of people, I think, are sleeping on Arkansas because of the years past. People look at that same offense, the defense, and that team in general that you know didn't win a single SEC game in two years straight. However, you take what uh, Sam Pittman and Ar- and, and Browse and Odom there as the, the coordinators. Look, those were those were the best hires that Sam Pittman, being his first year, could have made, and it and it paid off. Uh, prior to the season last year, I was under the impression that if if Sam Pittman won three games last year, he would. That's that's a, that's all you needed uh, to show that the 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 program is changing, the culture right. is changing, uh, and he showed it throughout the year, and he's still doing it now. That culture in Arkansas and Fayetteville, it's changing, and they play tough defense. They 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 you know Felipe Franks had them in positions to win. They look they sh- they could have went five and five. Uh, there was a couple games where I felt like one game they were cheated, and second off, it was so close that you know it really just a matter of I feel go away. Yeah, that team's on the rise, and, and I, you know Georgia fans understand of it uh, from first you know playing them first. Uh, I looked at it as you know that's just a damn good defense because you know we were under the impression that obviously we didn't have JT there and we struggled with Dwan and then it translated over you know we were losing at half. And then we pulled away. But a lot of people forgot about that until you watched Arkansas play. And, you, and I was just like, yeah, that team's for real. Uh, you know, they bring in KJ Jefferson now. You have, you know, uh, Mike, was it Mike Woods from – or Mike Woods from Oklahoma, I think it was. Or, no, Mike Woods transferred out, I think it was. Transferred no, out, right. Yeah. So, you know, you lose some players, but you gain some players. And, and look, that team's going to be a problem. And, and Georgia, if you're a Georgia fan in here – Mark that game down because that is a game you're going to want to bring your A game on because they will come at you. They will play you physical. And if you don't 
watch your back. You will lose this game. You will lose that game if you don't come and bring your A game on that because that defense is tough and that offense with KJ is going to be interesting to see. And I think they, with the schemes, and like I said, the coordinators there in Browse and Odom, look, that team's ready to go and they've got momentum. Even if it is three wins, they've got momentum on their side in favor. It's going to be a game. In regards to my sleeper team, or not my sleeper team, in regards to my uh, disappointment, I'm going to have to say Florida. And, and the only reason why I say Florida is because where they are in the eyes of the media right now and my uncertainty with that entire offense, really. Well, the team, uh, really, because that defense was atrocious last year. It's definitely not the standard that Florida wanted. They, it really wasn't. You know, they played well offensively. They had a historic offense, in my opinion, but they still somehow found a way to fumble it and come up with four losses after the bowl game lost to Oklahoma. Uh, not even a loss. That was an annihilation. But nonetheless, my disappointment is Florida because, you know, they're, where they are in the media and how the media views them compared to, in my opinion, the reality of having to rebuild that kind of production because they lost a ton of production. And I just don't know if the pieces are there to replicate you know, they'll replicate some of it and get some of it back. I don't think they come close to getting all of it back uh, from a production standpoint, regardless of who you put out there. Uh, you know, I look at DeMarcus Bowman. DeMarcus Bowman is going to be a problem there. I, I think so. At running back uh, transfer from Clemson, I think he can cause problems there. You know, you have to respect Mullen as an offensive-minded coach. I understand that. I'm not knocking Mullen 100% of the time. I do like his offensive uh, mentality. He's a great offensive mind. But Todd Grantham could be seeing his way out of Florida after week three, depending on how that game against Alabama goes. Because if Alabama comes into the swamp and drops a 50 bomb on you after the season that your defense threw up and produced last year, are there any more excuses why he needs to be there? Because you let go of your set, you look, you let go of Torian Gray, goes to South Carolina as already a big pickup in regards to recruiting. And, and you let go of the safe, uh, secondary coach, but you kept Todd Grantham there. So there's no excuses for that. If, if they come in and, and drop that much on them and it's not close, you could definitely see Todd Grantham be on the hot seat, if not gone, after yeah. that game. And, and you're talking about a domino effect for your season. That could be it. However, I think that if if they let go with Todd Grantham, I think they become a better defense. Just saying, it's, it's one of those things where I just feel that way because Todd Grantham's defense is so predictable. It definitely is. It definitely is complex for young quarterbacks. But if you have a competent quarterback, it, it's too predictable, and you can just pick it apart. And Georgia has shown the textbook example of how to do that for years now. So yeah. after week three, depending on the situation, there's a good chance that, you, that Todd Grantham might not even be in Gainesville. And then, what impact does that have on their season? Do the dominoes start falling or are they able to rebound and, and pull away for, you know, pull something out of that? That I think that's why I think Florida is my disappointment. And it's all because of the media and how, how the high the media is still on them because of their production last year. But they, you know, but I feel like the media doesn't put emphasis on how much they really lost. But yeah. let's tra let's transition here to biscuits and sec. In my opinion, a great read every time you get it. Tell people about Biscuits and SEC, uh, if you, however in-depth you want to go. Um, tell people more about it. Like I said, obviously now we're part of this one team. So, obviously I'm going to let, let you take it away. 
and, and tell people about uh, Biscas and SEC? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, really, we're, we're just a, an online blog, right? So the website is biscuitsandsec.com and we have a, a weekly newsletter at the moment. Um, it goes out every Wednesday, just talking all things SEC. Um, during the season, so coming up here shortly, that will ramp up, uh, I believe, to three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, we started the website last year, uh, my brother and I, and, uh, you know, I think like a lot of people, it was during the pandemic, we were bored. We love talking college football. So we started a, a blog. Um, and, you know, really what we try to do is just give people the fans perspective on, uh, the SEC. Obviously we're not, you know, big time experts. Um, and we try to, you know, we try to write a little bit more in depth, um, posts and incorporate some humor in there. So, uh, we, we thought a lot of the college football media, SEC media was a little bit stale. Um, you know, some of the things that sort of drove us crazy were you'd see like a, a headline about breaking news or something. And you click on the article and it's like 200 word, one paragraph, basically expansion of the headline, you know, like this kid's transferring and we'll see what impact it has. And we just kind of felt like, well, you know, give us your thought on what the impact is going to be and, you know, get a little bit more into it rather than just try to uh, get people to click on the article and, you know, get your, your page views up or whatever. So that's our goal. Like I said, we, we want to be, um, you know, giving you the fans perspective, but also really giving you our opinion and trying to write a little bit more in depth, um, you know, posts rather than just a, a quick headline with uh, one or two paragraphs on a, on a subject. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're interested, best way to, to find us is either, you know, biscuits and sec.com um, or we're on Twitter and Instagram at Biscuits and SEC, um, probably most active on Twitter. So if you want to shoot us a DM or, or whatever, um, we're, we're on there constantly, um, as I know you are as well. So that's the best way to, to get a hold of us. I'm going to add on to it. Um, for those that are not familiar with the DGD podcast website, you can also find their work, Biscuits and SEC's work, dgdpodcast.com. If you look at the top or through the navigation, find one team. If you click there, you will be able to go straight to biscuitsandsec.com. So that is another outlet for uh, for you to find Biscuits and SEC and to subscribe to the newsletter. Hank, look, thanks for your time there. I love doing the SEC roundtable. There's so much going on. Obviously, the season is right around the corner. Uh, I can smell it. I don't know if you can. Uh, I definitely oh, yeah. can. Uh, I'm sure everybody else that's listening to this is is more ready than anybody else can be. Uh, you know, you always hear it's the most wonderful time of the year around Christmas time. I think that song needs to be switched over to September. Uh, just saying. <laughs> but uh, but nonetheless, uh, look, thanks again for coming on. I uh, look forward to read more of your newsletters. Uh, like I said, go to biscuitsandsec.com. Subscribe to the newsletter. You will not be disappointed. I promise you. Look, talking about uh, Texas and Oklahoma recently, uh, Jordan the SEC, there's a lot more. That's just the main thing that I've read and enjoyed that. Uh, but look, hey, man, I'm going to let you go. 
Thanks for coming again on the show. I look forward to doing it again sometime. Yeah, Robert, thank you so much. Really appreciate uh, you having us on and, and all the kind words. I'm always happy to come on and talk ball. We love it. Hey, I, you know, that's what I'm here for, man. I, I know I, I know this is a Georgia dog uh, podcast here, but I'm going to tell you right now, I like digging around the SEC because at some point, Georgia fans knows this, we're going to be playing each and every SEC team. So it's always important to stay up to date with these teams because you never know even if it's in the West, you could always see them in Atlanta. So it's always important to stay up to date on your teams around the SEC. All right, man. Look, Hank, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to wrap this up here. Uh, guys, look, obviously, if you saw the reveal, uh, if you missed the reveal, the reveal is the new logo, which I'm going to bring it back up on the screen for those watching. If you're listening to this on podcast, you can find us, you know, DGD Podcast Social Media. Uh, or the website, and it's right there for you to see. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys the new logo, uh, as well as the uh, show today. I hope everybody enjoyed it. It seems like uh, the chat here uh, was lit, as kids like to call it. Uh, and so thanks for everybody for joining in and, and really having a great conversation in the chat. Uh, kind of helps uh, us read things and, and build off of that. So I wanted to thank everybody for coming on listening today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's content. Uh, Hank, like I said, pleasure having you on, my man. Uh, but this wraps it up for this episode of the DGD Podcast. Go dogs. <laughs>